Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Carl Henkel, the editor-in-chief of Record Culture magazine. I've always thought of Record as a sort of a mix between a music magazine and an interiors magazine. It visits vinyl lovers in their homes or studios and publishes long interviews with them alongside photography that shows them surrounded by their piles of records and various bits of domestic stuff. And the whole thing gives a lovely, intimate impression of who these people are and what music they listen to. But for Carl, the whole interiors thing is a kind of unintended consequence. As he says in this interview, music is always their anchor and everything he does with the magazine is in service of exploring that side of his interviewees. In fact, talking to Carl, I was struck by the fact that he seems to be working to recapture something of a bygone age of music magazines. So producing this title that slows down and goes in search of what he calls the perfect interview, while also acknowledging that, of course, no such thing can actually exist. This is a a long and relaxed conversation that covers quite a lot of ground from his first idea to start the magazine all the way up to the challenges of distributing it and figuring out how to do things better. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode with Carl Henkel from Record Culture magazine. Carl, thank you very much for coming over. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's good to finally... um be at Somerset House and yeah, <laughs> the, the, the home of, of Stack Podcast. So you're the man behind Record Culture magazine, um, which looks to me always like it's kind of, it's part a music magazine, part an interiors magazine. What was the impulse that, that started all of this? That's, that's a big question, I guess, but... Um where to begin so I guess music is always our anchor um in interviewing people it's either we're chatting to artists we're like musicians themselves DJs um radio show producers like but all the way to fashion designers and art curators like in the latest issue that have a strong connection to music and record collecting um the interiors element just kind of happens because we go to these people's homes or studios um and we take photos and we think it's a um a way to tell more of their story i guess that like picture tells a thousand you know that's not the saying it's a bit you know (laughs) picture tell says a thousand words kind of thing um i think that's the case when you sort of um get a photographer taking photos in someone's bookshelves or something capturing their knickknacks close up for example that says quite a bit about a person so I think we're more interested in that kind of quirky unusual like ideally funny stuff that you have in your house and less so sort of perfect interiors or even like interiors at all it just so happens that that's um that's part of it but yeah it's more the more the zooming in close to records and books and figurines sculptures artworks all it's, 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 it's sort of the like the apartamento approach to interiors in terms of like what you're saying about you're not interested in the perfect 
posed setup, you're interested right. in the people's lives in those rooms. Yeah, that's it. We don't set up people's homes or studios in any way. We we brief photographers, but in a very um, you know way that allows for a lot of freedom. You know, we need we need some portraits. We need some still life images to sort of make our features work but other than that um it's down to the photographer and often they're coming from sort of different worlds like more more in the fashion world um or design worlds and stuff so they're used to shooting quite different stuff so um this can be a fun experience experience for them to sort of spend a few hours with an artist and hang out with them at home sort of not something you do every day. And so it, back in the, the very beginning, was this you sitting around in maybe your friend's place and surrounded by their records and you thought, wow, there's, there's a magazine in this or did it did come from somewhere else? Um, it took a while to materialise, I guess, in that way. So um, I was always interested in music from a young age, you know, listening to like punk growing up that transitioning into like electronic music at a certain point when I was about 18 and that was kind of the thing in in Melbourne where I came from and you'd just go out with your friends and listen to this mix of indie rock and dance music that was kind of happening at that time. Um, it was just, I don't know, a hobby, a passion, whatever. Um, I sort of left it at that um, and then a few years later I started writing for a Melbourne-based website and I'd sort of write up nightclub events in a pretty funny way and I just always enjoyed doing that and kind of like looking into the, you know, like international people that were coming to Melbourne and sort of listening to their stuff and whatnot. Um, and then fast forward a lot of years later, a few jobs as like online editor later I was just always interested in print magazines and um, kind of found ways to integrate them into the online content like writing about them interviewing their founders it just got to the point where I kind of felt like I had all the resources I need like in terms of photographers graphic designers all the random bits of knowledge that you pick up um and somehow within this um record culture magazine was born where I was I was living in New York at the time it was about 2014 going to shops like McNally Jackson looking at their newsstand and just seeing like a very starved like music section which consisted of like a very thin Rolling Stone edition at the time and that was pretty much it um and so for for about a year or two I would just be going to newsstands in new newsstands in New York and not seeing anything in the way of music and not seeing anything that represented like the grassroots kind of dance music that I followed that was very like alive and kicking in New York around radio radio shows like Beats in Space by Tim Sweeney um venues were popping up in Brooklyn it was all happening but it wasn't happening in print um so yeah I thought why not let's 
or try and do something. So you, it sounds like you kind of just stumbled into this thing without a, a great grand plan behind it. And yet, looking back over the issues, it stayed remarkably solid. The, you know, the, you look at some magazines yeah. and the, 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 it kind of evolves and changes over time. Whereas with this, I think you've got this concept yeah. of people who love music interviewed in their own spaces and see what you can get out of that. Yeah, that's true. I think um, I spent quite a long time just thinking about the concept and then together with um, my art director, Holly Canham in Melbourne, um, and my editor, Michael Kalandarian in New York, we kind of, by, by putting together the first issue, I guess we kind of got, um, got it down pat. Um, I remember also sort of getting advice from a friend who had also been making a magazine for like five years at this point, and she kind of said that um, hers was a magazine that did evolve over time, and she sort of said that in part she wished that they'd just come out of the gate with what the magazine was now, five years on. And I guess I kind of took that on a little bit and, and took quite a long time to sort of create the first issue. I guess you have that luxury with the first issue. You can spend like a year or two making it and then you start to realise that a magazine's a serialised product that has to be made in like a much shorter amount of time. Uh, so and was it literally a year or two for you then? Um, yeah, I was still in another job and um, the first interviews happened on like visa trips that I took because I was in the US getting my Australian visa I'd go to it was Paris at the time I went there and while I was doing that I met up with a few people I met up with Joachim and Philippe Sadar who sadly passed away a few months ago um, and those were the first interviews for the magazine um, and I some of those i I sat on them for like a year which is quite strange but the whole concept of the magazine as well was to um, interview people and have those interviews be timeless in a way that you could pick them up in like a year or like five years even um, I was a little inspired by like the New Yorker does several interviews with people and then sort of collates it into this like perfect interview we don't we've sort of found our own way and it isn't usually isn't that arduous but that was kind of the goal to make like the the perfect interview which of course doesn't actually exist but like <laughs> that was kind of the goal to like sum up a person um like that and I guess in in practice it means that we don't talk about like very timely things like if someone's talking about their album or what they're doing next week unless there's like a deeper point there that says something about their personality or it's like a funny story um that's worthy of keeping um otherwise everything gets trimmed away so it kind of um makes our job easier so i guess wondering how he got here but um it was from sitting on those first interviews for like a year or a year and a half which I didn't love but it just that's just how it how it happened and I think in the end when when the magazine came out it felt fresh and I think you can still go back to those interviews 
So when you're um, on the lookout for new people to interview now, what is it that you look for in an interviewee that makes you think they're going to be right for this magazine? Hmm. Yeah, good question. So issue issue one was kind of like just filled with people I was very inspired by and kind of set the blueprint for the magazine to be a mix of um, DJs themselves. Like the first issue was like Joachim, a DJ and producer from France, um, Tim Sweeney, who does Beats in Space, a very influential um, podcast and radio show that's on the air in New York. Um, guys like Philippe Zadar, who produced the Phoenix album, along with like so many other albums like Kindness, Charlotte Gainsbourg, The Rupture, the list goes on. Um, that they were just all people that really really inspired me a lot so I sort of made an effort to just get in touch with them by whatever means and it sort of came together and the subsequent issues and I guess the overarching concept for the whole magazine is that it's kind of a big family tree that breaks off and sometimes I I'll like decide to interview someone that's maybe a bit further afield, like um, like in this current issue, we've got Christophe Lemaire, a fashion designer from Paris who does Lemaire and was the Hermes um, creative director for quite a while. Um, and a guy like Matthew Higgs in New York, who's the curator of White Columns um, Gallery and is much more in the art world. But when you kind of when you start talking to them you see the the links to other artists um become very clear and so in that way sometimes like the magazine writes itself in a way in that certain artists like um in interviews like people will mention the same person maybe in various interviews across different issues even and maybe when that gets to about like the fifth mention you sort of start to think like okay this person is an influence on all these other people we've got to we've got to get that person in there so that's where it makes my job a bit easier almost where it's like it just I like to sit on things for a while until it really feels like this person has to be in there now we've done this person this person this person now like we kind of leapfrog our way to different interviewees and maybe of course you could just go out and interview whoever straight away but I kind of prefer this approach of like waiting and there's maybe some sense to interviewing these three people before you interview the fourth who knows it might just all be in my my head but <laughs> So, so this is something that started with your own personal <clears throat> inspirations, the people who inspired you, and it's kind of grown on from there, according to the people you've spoken to. Are you one of these people who would be in the magazine? Like, if we came to your apartment or your house, would we find it absolutely rammed with vinyl and and you know, kind of the the same passions that you see in these people? You would see similar things, you know, I've got records at home, I've got 
books, whatever. But um, I don't know. I maybe just see myself as a big fan of all these people too and maybe like the ideal reader for the magazine. So it's kind of like... <laughs> that's very common. People make yeah, the magazine that they're reading. For yourself, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, so, hmm, yeah, I've got to think about that one. I guess, yeah, I'm interested in similar things and you kind of, from interviewing like, you know, someone like Luke Jenner, who's the lead singer of the rapture which disbanded but may sort of may come together again in the past that you realize that the people i'm interviewing like whether they're djs or radio show people or whatever i'm often they're like the most passionate people about exactly what we're talking about and will also be the most passionate readers of record culture magazine which i didn't expect like coming out and making it but that's been a nice side effect that it feels like they're they're really invested in that existing and I think a lot of a lot of these people um if especially if they're a bit older than I am sort of grew up with a rich culture of music magazines in the 70s to early 2000s and then it kind of this sort of mass wipeout sort of happened but um people are quite familiar with that concept and it was missing in a lot of people's lives and I guess like my own um so yeah it strikes me there's also a real affinity between print and vinyl and you know whether that's maybe it's because it's analog media or is it that there's this kind of impulse to collect or that Mm. it it feels like quite a natural subject matter for a print magazine to be dealing with these huge collections of vinyl records yeah it's funny because when I started making it I felt like making a print magazine about this was very unnatural and I wasn't sure that there was a market for this but um I was talking with a friend last night even just about the tactility of a record a cd a mini disc at one point or um a magazine and how that's been lost in a lot of ways and even in my like music consumption habits like I'll go to Spotify and listen to the new Ways Blood album or whatever and there's actually not any ownership or tactility in that experience and it's all a bit wishy-washy I think I felt that way about like mp3s and just the way we listen to music right now um and in some ways I guess a magazine about these artists becomes like that tactile object or you collect the records and you have that which is sometimes a bit impractical to have a lot of vinyl records in your house but um, I also see the appeal like just in holding something and it's sort of like that that like dinner party situation where you have people over and you think I'll just put an album on that becomes like a bit hard to think of like um, think of an album because we're used to like we're used to hitting like you know an artist's radio now and then we're presented with like a prefab um playlist and we're used to like this playlisted stream of music and it's like 
it's all very um yeah wishy-washy and you're not holding on to anything and when it comes to like what do you actually like listening to it even for me sometimes it's hard to like remember um an artist name or an album and I think in that way like a vinyl record or CD or whatever a cassette cassettes are having a big moment again (laughs) but like you you see something you see the artwork and you're like I'll put that on. Mm-hmm. So, a, a few years ago, probably around the same time you started in this magazine, it was a real news story that vinyl was coming back. The, mm. You know, there was this kind of like real curiosity in the mainstream, and we've all, we've had a similar thing with print magazines as well in terms of you know this kind of surprise from the mainstream <clears throat> of like, wow, look at all these little magazines popping up. Yeah. Have you seen that change over the years that you've been doing this, or does this really still feel kind of it's, it, it's the same situation. I th- yeah, I think it is in the sense that like uh, major labels have like started pumping out vinyl records again, and as a smaller label, it can take like up to a year to sort of get your vinyl record pressed because they're all backed up like hugely, and it's still pretty antiquated the process. I think, and it's so yeah. In that sense, there's no doubt that there's a lot more records being produced there's a lot more um modern record shops popping up like maybe a bit different to the old record shop concept that's maybe like dusty and stuff a bit cluttered and stuff there's sort of shops popping up everywhere in europe in australia kind of you name it in south korea like everywhere um that are more not only but like a cafe experience you walk in and there's like a nicely curated selection of vinyl um so you don't have to like get on your knees and go through like thousands of warped like moldy records even whether they're secondhand or new or there's it's maybe more curated and as a customer i think both both are valid and nice but especially like um i don't know as you get older if you work another job you you if your passion isn't like wholeheartedly digging for records it's quite nice to go into one of these new shops and just be presented <laughs> with like a curated yeah. selection kind of like going to a nice magazine shop right and just picking the cherries off the top and totally. being like there's more there's confidence in that shopkeeper saying like this is a great album compilation and there's so much stuff being made like in in the way of like um people finding old old records from the past that they're reissuing and making interesting compilations out of um and so these shops are kind of house all these interesting projects that people are doing um that have like quite a story attached to them like you'll like you name it now, like a uh, Brazilian music from the seventies, or it gets so specific. But all these um, releases have a big story element to them, and maybe more so than just new music, which obviously has its place as well. But I think reissues and compilations, you sort of have like rich archival imagery and interviews with the artists and stuff and it can be kind of like a magazine like experience as well 
It, it sounds to me like these lovely um, record shops that you describe are also a good place for record to be. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you've got a shop full of people who are interested in this lovely vinyl, then that should be there too. How much are you working to get the magazine into those places? Um, I think at this point, we're not everywhere, but I think we're everywhere we want to be or know of. So I think um, shops pop up all the time and you have to sort of be a bit on it in that way. But um, I think in that sort of, I mean, yeah, in that niche way, we are in a lot of places. Having said that, I think there's a lot more that could be done with record store distribution. They're kind of, it's kind of a different beast to the magazine world because shops tend to order like, um, record shops tend to order two or two or three of every record, and so it's their habit to do the same with um, magazines. But we would prefer that they take ten or something, of course, just so of course, yeah. just so you have more of a presence. And also, it's that thing like you were saying, where this magazine is sort of aimed to appeal to anyone who walks in that records shop door and picks up a record they're probably gonna be interested in some of the artists featured mm, yeah mm. I, but i guess also as a practical <clears throat> consideration for you of like you don't really want to be trying to keep track of the two or three magazines you've sent to like a hundred different stores and then invoicing for those and they, i mean that no. that would be a do, mm. do you do that that stuff yourself um yes and no but mainly no so we go through um distributors so we use antenne books in europe and um parts of asia too with um and a few other distributors around the world like one in south korea we just started using and one in australia um yeah it's kind of a mix you just ideally in a way everything would go through a distributor but um sometimes you need to make more effort and deal with them directly especially because these record shops are quite like extremely independent a lot of the time like owner run um businesses that it kind of requires like a bit more um yeah just getting in touch with them and sending them magazines having said that there are record distributors like um rush hour and amsterdam and all sorts of things so maybe down the track that would also make sense mm, just because yeah. they've they're already in touch with all those shops so. yeah 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 i think we had um had the guy on from the relaunch of wax poetics uh, a few weeks ago and they're using yeah. rush hour in amsterdam to get to those record stores <clears throat> so what, yeah. what what then does the future look like for this magazine i mean as I said, you've been like pretty steady this far in terms of the, the concept and, and what that has, has meant for the mag. Yeah. What do you want to do next? Um, in terms of the magazine itself, it will kind of keep going in a similar but different direction. Obviously, the content always changes, but um, that is almost the least like dynamic part of it at least in my mind at the moment it's more toying with the idea of um complementing existing distribution with a mainstream distributor but that being a bit of a scary scary concept and you sort of worry that it 
becomes a bit too robotic and non-human and you don't know where your magazines end up and the environmental impact of like sending out magazines that get trashed and not sold exactly. is also a bit questionable but um and, and, and the money as well i mean you, you've got to pay to print those magazines and you mm. might not sell them i mean that 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 could kill it surely yeah so our model i guess it started small and it's growing steadily but as as we continue i see like i see selling direct through our website as the way forward as with a lot of businesses like the fashion industry whatnot everyone's direct only when you look at the numbers it makes a lot of sense why you would be direct only because it's like you could either sustain a business like a magazine maybe let's say for example selling like 5,000 copies direct as opposed to selling like 20,000 um distributed into shops um, you start to sort of question, like, just analyze, like, what it is you're trying to do, and if it's, if you're not quite sure about this mass scale thing, like, the Gentlewoman's and a hundred thousand units of a magazine getting pushed out to stores, which has its place, but you know, I think over the last few years I've been thinking about this a lot, like, what what we are and what sort of business we want to build and also knowing knowing friends who are in different industries like the fashion industry doing labels and kind of being beholden to these similar wholesaling problems where it's maybe even worse in that industry because the costs of producing clothing are so much higher than printing like 10,000 more copies of a magazine that gets it's also an investment but it's um, not quite as much but just realizing that um when you wholesale it's kind of easier when you're starting out because it's a way to build um awareness around your product whatever it is you don't need to be your own marketing machine because shops are their own marketing machines and they're very good at selling product because that's what their function is so i think over the last few months especially i've been thinking about just becoming your own best retailer and looking at what really successful retailers do and just seeing like you know they send out regular newsletters they they have a much more robust um marketing kind of system i guess it just all comes down to like regularity of posting and stuff which on social media and whatnot which for a long time I was much more organic about like when you know when we feel feel like it when there's something to talk about we post it up um I now see the benefit in like planning it out like months in advance and then slotting in more timely things when need be but just um it kind of changes your whole business model when you decide like we're gonna do this directly um it's a lot harder i think and it you need to invest in your own um business so that that's meant like our art director doing a lot of extra work on social media and stuff that when i started the magazine i was like 
you know, we don't need that. Like we don't need to be like everyone else. We still don't need to be like everyone else, but you see why everyone else does that. So I think now that the magazine's at issue six with seven on the way, it's kind of lived in an organic way for like three or four years. And like um, really like early readers have kind of had their chance to just have it to themselves a bit. <laughs> I sort of really like that idea of just like not going full not being everywhere straight away and for people to have to sort of seek it out and have it be something special and kind of like no magazine is the same even though record might look like there are a hundred thousand copies printed or what whatever number you might think um it's actually a product made by a small team of people in a limited quantity and when that's sold out it's sold out and so issue one to three is all gone and four and five are on their way too to being all gone and you sort of have people emailing you like asking where they can find it and you just have to be like sorry but I mean it's a good problem to have but um just for people to realize that it's a limited thing and yeah so really they should be subscribing direct to you yeah, so yeah. that they get all of their copies in the future. I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? For copies to sell out and for there to be that scarcity. Like I think we're so trained now with all sorts of things like buying clothing online that it just never runs out. Everything goes on on sale extremely at predictable times of the year and just that not being great for business especially small business I think so just it's kind of that yeah like a real thing just subscribe and you'll get it but mm. if if you email like three years on and want it then Might maybe you it. miss out yeah, yeah. yeah. alright well um, <laughs> so here's to scarcity uh, yeah. and, uh, and good luck with finding that uh, sustainable uh, route to growth in the future Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Okay, that's all for this week. Thanks again to Carl for coming over to the office and speaking. It was lovely to catch up with him properly. And I'm very pleased that we're back on with the podcast after taking last week off for the Stack Awards shortlisting. Uh, I spent all last week reading the magazines that were submitted for the awards this year, and it was definitely the toughest shortlisting I've ever done. We received more entries than ever before, and the standard was ridiculously high, but I'm really pleased with the list of magazines that we've ended up with. So uh, please do check that out if you haven't already. You can see all the shortlists at stackmagazines.com forward slash awards. And while you're there, you can buy tickets to the awards ceremony too. We're going to be here at Somerset House in London on Thursday the 14th of November so come along and join us tickets cost £30 and include food and drink and a proper night of independent magazine celebrations and it would be lovely to see some podcast listeners there so um, please do come to that thank you very much for listening to this episode and we'll be back with another one next week